Hey guys, um, so I'm excited today to talk about a few new developments, advancements that have come out. I was kind of saving them up, um, been working on other things, but I think there's some pretty exciting stuff to talk about. Uh, a couple weeks ago, um, Intel, of all people, released um, the first AR smart glasses that normal people would be willing to wear. Or they didn't release it, they demoed it to the press. And they're pretty cool. I believe they're called Vault. And to give you an idea what these look like, they just look like hipster glasses. I mean, they don't they don't really look in your face. Um, they're like uh, black uh, glasses with kind of square uh, openings. And they're only a little thicker than normal glasses. Like they totally, um, nobody would know you're wearing smart glasses if you're wearing these. And I think that's incredible. I didn't really expect, you know, I was kind of expecting Apple to be the first people to demo glasses like these, especially after, you know, how Google ha with Google Glass had tried to make, um, I guess they haven't been trying to make consumer glasses in a while, but, you know, I saw where we were with them. And so I figured, oh, it's going to be a while before we have glasses that, that people wouldn't notice. Um, as being smart glasses. And so here they are. Now, granted, they're not in the wild yet. They're not for sale yet. But um, the journalists report, so, you know, they were allowed to wear them, to show them, etc. They're very positive. So here's what the glasses do. And one reason I'm really happy to report this is it's very similar to what I was saying um, when I've talked about AR glasses before. Uh, they said the glasses right now only do a few things. One of the things that they do is they show you notifications from your phone. And so, um, you know, on the one hand, I could understand people saying, oh, well, that's not that useful. Uh, on the other hand, we have a multi-billion dollar device called the Apple Watch. And then Android Wear does the same thing where it shows you all it does really, the only useful thing it does is show you notifications from your phone. And so apparently that alone is worth tens of billions of dollars a year um, if you combine, you know, Android and Apple Watch sales. And then, and it, it can be very useful to see that. I, I know that I use it uh, fairly regularly on my Apple Watch. But the other thing that they said is that the glasses um, will, what they said, the reporter said that the names of the Intel employees were floating over their heads as they walked around. So he could look around and he immediately knew, uh, he immediately knew who he was talking to. And um, I think that's pretty cool. And then the last thing that he mentioned, or well, there's a couple more things. Um, he mentioned also that their birthdays were floating over their heads. And one of them happened to have had a birthday at that time. Okay, not too big a deal. Um, but you may remember me talking about how, how useful it would be if you never had to remember a name again, if you, you know, could see the name of people you don't know, or if you could pick out of a crowd, oh, there's my friend over there more easily. Um, I think it's more valuable than we're willing to let on. Uh, um, it's going to grease social wheels. It's going to act as a social lubricant to just know everybody's name. And there's also probably not too much of a stretch to have somebody's job title under there. So now you have something to talk about, or maybe it's favorite books, or maybe Tinder comes up on the app and the app tells you, uh, yes, this person is actively seeking dates or this person isn't. Um, so 
there's a lot of stuff that can be done just with information floating over people's heads. And there, the other thing that they demoed was being able to look down the street and see the names of all sorts of businesses um, and to know the location of things. Um, and I think that could be really useful. Um, imagine you are in a new city. I mean, obviously, it's, it's going to be more useful if your surroundings are unfamiliar to you. Um, one thing I was, one use case I was thinking of is, uh, if you're social like me and you like to go out, imagine you go to your downtown area and you look down the street and you can just see, oh, Jim's in that bar. Oh, Stan's in that ramen place over there. Um, it could be like, you know, I know people that they get nervous about going out cause they feel, oh, well, I don't have anybody to meet with me or I don't have a large group, but imagine you know, I could imagine that it might feel like you're never alone when you could go when you go out. Um, you know, if you're halfway of a of an outgoing person, or, or or you've used Facebook for a while, you probably see a lot of friends floating around in your area. And obviously, you know, this needs to be probably should be a toggle of some kind where people can disappear entirely. And there's going to be some protocol and some new social kind of culture is going to have to around this will we'll have to adapt and but I think that I think that we're largely I think a lot of people at least are going to determine particularly men but maybe also women are going to determine you know they're fine with their friends maybe just their close friends knowing where they are you know maybe that's a setting um, so anyway and then a couple other things that Intel's talking about are they're going to open this up to app developers um, they're they're going to be enlisting app developers with the software uh, you know, protocols and, um, allowing them to develop apps for this to see what they can come up with. Actually, I love their question. Um, they said, uh, you know, Intel, the, the journalist at the verge, Dieter Braun, Dieter Bonn, I think his name is, he said, Intel, why is this valuable? And they said, well, you know what? Uh, they didn't say like, oh, look how, they didn't say what I'm saying. Look how valuable it is to see people's names. The guys didn't even hesitate. He said, you know, we don't know how valuable it is. We are asking developers to tell us how valuable it is. And if you think back to the days of the iPhone, one of the reasons that the iPhone did well, I don't know how large of the reason, but I, it was one of the reasons that the iPhone very quickly did well uh, in the first few years was they had a good app ecosystem and um, developers supported it. And so, you know, Instagram launched on iPhone first, Snapchat launched on iPhone first, and, and they can't, they always, you know, they'll come out on their competitors eventually, but being first counts or it helps rather. Um, and I, one of the reasons I was really happy to hear about this, it was sort of like a feeling of schadenfreude, not schadenfreude, but a feeling of, I told you so, because, you know, if we're talking about having names floating over people's heads and having people's birthday float over the head, what is the app that is the most useful for that? The app that already knows that was well, Facebook. Facebook knows that about more people than any other app. And you probably have a larger network, at least if you're, say, 25 and Oprah, you, you probably have your largest network on Facebook. Um, so Facebook, man, you can imagine Facebook developing for these classes plugging all that data in and that you, you know where your friends are, um, or, you know, everyone's name. Um, maybe people can even have it. Yeah. I want acquaintances to, to be able to know my name, thinking back to those privacy features. So friends of friends are allowed to know my name before they meet me. 
Um, and it could say like, oh yeah, that'd be perfect. It could say like mutual friends. So imagine you walk into a coffee shop and you see, oh yeah, you know, John, oh, that's awesome. Um, so that could be really freaking cool. Um, gosh, I don't think it will, but you could almost imagine how it could like change dating or change nightlife. Like you go out to a coffee shop or bar or karaoke, whatever it is you like to do. And you hit a button like, please show me all the people who are interested in X. And so only those people have their names floating over their heads or they have an arrow over their head so you can go find them. And maybe that becomes like, you know, uh, you're allowed to do that or it becomes uh, normal for people to do that. People sort of expect it. I don't know if that'll happen. Maybe there's an app that somebody will build around this, like find friends with your interests app. You know, I don't know. So, but it's, I think it's fun. I think it's cool. And introverts or people who don't like to be as friendly or go out as much rather, um, you know, there's, I, I, I am, I'm confident that there's going to be something here for you. Uh, one application that I've already seen with various glasses is having your computer desktop floating in your vision. So instead of using an actual computer or laptop, you're using a virtual one. And you can imagine the benefits, okay? You don't have to carry around a laptop anymore. All you need is your glasses and your phone. And now you have a full-fledged computer. And by the way, that is what I think is so awesome about these Intel glasses. Um, it seems like, or I, w- I have a guess, that one of the ways that they were able to make these glasses very discreet is that there's not a lot of circuitry or there's not a full computer in the glasses or smartphone or whatever it's lower powered hardware that is using your phone to provide more of the processing i don't know that for sure because i don't think intel actually talked about that you guys can maybe correct me if i'm wrong but that's that might be perfect you don't need to figure out how to fit like an awesome processor into these things or a big battery all you need is a phone that can beam that stuff to the glasses Uh, So that might solve some engineering challenges right there. So anyway, yeah, don't carry around. I mean, you know, people are probably different from me. But if you're a real mobile person, you know, even carrying around your laptop, sometimes it can be a pain, you know. And my ex-girlfriend, she always mentioned how she got the smallest laptop she could because she hated carrying it around. She had, uh, you know, like a shoulder issue. And, you know, even a laptop that's like five pounds is a big deal. And so she got the time, you know, she got the 12 inch MacBook. And then the problem was, is she's worried that that's a little bit too small for her. So sometimes when she was doing her work, so now you don't have to choose. You have, if you can carry around a phone, if you can carry glasses, you can have the giant, most giant screen that you can think of floating in front of your vision. And this stuff already exists. It's called, it's an app called Big Screen. Now it only works in VR. Um, it doesn't work on AR products yet that I'm aware of, but Microsoft has the same thing where you can have windows floating in front of your face. Um, you know, uh, that, that would be useful. I don't know how useful that is at home, but that's useful at work. Or people talk about smart mirrors. Forget about smart mirrors. Put these glasses on, you know, swipe right with your arm and now you're seeing the weather or now you're seeing CNN or now you're seeing whatever it is you want to see when you wake up in the morning. Like, I think that this is going to be I'm starting to believe it's going to be really ubiquitous. I don't really like wearing glasses for myself, um, but I could see myself wearing these if they're valuable enough. I could maybe see myself, maybe I only wear them when I'm working. So maybe like walking around town, don't care, but walk into Starbucks, pop these on, pull out like some type of Bluetooth keyboard or something. So I guess you do need one other item, guys. Sorry about that. But so you pull out some type of 
peripheral that lets you use the, com- the computer functionality and boom, you know, I'm doing my work. Okay. Now it's time to leave Starbucks, take the glasses off. So I, I just think this stuff's awesome. Um, I'm really excited. And I think this is the next, like, I don't know about quantum leap, but you know, as we saw when the smartphone came out, a flurry of new applications and things came out all at once. Um, new types of business models like Uber began. So I don't know that it's going to change your life 180, but I do think it could be, I think it could be really cool. And, oh, dangers, you know, well, so what some people consider a danger, I consider uh, to be a benefit, which is that I could be on Facebook all the time, or I could be reading articles all the time, which is really what I do when I'm on Facebook. Um, and yes, I know there are, there's probably some unhealthy features of that. There's some people that aren't going to want it. Well, you know what? Just just don't put the glasses on or, or don't use that. Now, I know people are going to be tempted. But anyway, so the, the journalist Dieter addressed that. He said, uh, are you worried that people are going to be distracted all the time? And the guy said, you know, I think that's up to people. Um, one of the things that they're doing is uh, they're using AI so that the phone only shows you the most pertinent notifications. So, and I don't know how they're doing this. I don't know that they were super specific, but maybe like a text from your spouse or significant other, maybe it knows that that is something you really want to see. And maybe it knows that the latest um, Snapchat or ESPN update, whatever other apps you like, maybe it knows that that's wait till he pulls his phone out. Um, oh, here's how this thing works. It uses lasers to beam the image into your eye. Now, you may be wondering, is that safe? So they are using a new low power type of laser. It is, um, I believe they said it's FDA certified. I may be wrong on that. So don't quote me on that. But so far, as far as we know, it is, uh, it is safe for human use. And um, it is so low power that it barely, in Intel's words, it barely reaches the threshold of being called like a class two laser or whatever the class is, meaning the lowest entry level of laser um, and the precautions people need to take with that. And one of the benefits Dieter said is that it looks like just like it's floating in infinity. I don't know how else to say it, but like it looks like it's floating, like superimposed on everything. It looks like you could reach out and touch the, the, the graphics almost. Um, you know, to my knowledge, Google Glass is actually a, um, I believe, I may be incorrect on this, but I believe it may be a tiny screen, like a tiny LCD style screen, digital screen that floats in front of one of your eyes. Um, but I know that this is more advanced than that. So anyway, oh, and here's the other thing that's really cool about this. If Intel is working on these glasses, I can promise you all of their competitors are working on them and have something, maybe not all their competitors, but they have something like this that's starting to work in a lab or they'll quickly be able to emulate it. Uh, So as we saw, you know, everyone do once the iPhone came out. So you're going to have your choice if you don't think Intel's the best. Maybe you pick your Apple, your Android, your Samsung, your Sony, whatever you like. And I will be happy to see a variety of approaches come out. Here's another cool thing I was thinking of. Um, I was trying to decide, you know, does Intel have a shot at taking this market if they really are going to be the first to release with a platform, a programmable software to developers, an API, in other words? And 
I think there's a chance, and here's why I think that. Um, one of the reasons that Apple has been popular, at least with the iPhone, was that they were was the interface. The now that was a combination of hardware and software. But basically, here's my theory. Um, smartphones up to that time, if you guys used them, I had one of them. Uh, they were really bad, and one of the reasons they were really bad was not they were using keyboards, so they were using like thumb pads, and not only were they using not only were they using keyboards, they were using like those old style uh, I forget what they're called, but like um, T9 keyboards. Like there were a lot of T9 smartphones where like to hit the letter A you had to press it twice to go from like one to be a and like three times for C or whatever, you know? So that's the first thing that was wrong. So Apple realized, no, this is a crappy interface to use the internet on the go. And part of that's introducing the screen. And then the second thing that Apple did was, um, up till then those phones had been using like a desktop computer metaphor. Um, like, there were things like um, close buttons and you could minimize apps and there were file trees like in the Windows PC, Windows, uh, you know, Windows phone, smartphone systems. So anyway, they were clunky. They weren't designed well from the software side of things either. But here's the thing. So these glasses are going to be uh, floating over your, your vision and there's not going to be an interface to speak of, there will be an interface in terms of you're going to be able to manipulate information on the screen. But what you definitely do not want is you do not want a lot of buttons and you do not want a lot of like, they call it Chrome, but basically like any colored part of the interface or a part of the interface that occludes your vision from the content you're trying to see. So like, you know how applications on a Mac or a Windows PC, they have that row of buttons and they have a title bar and they have a border. All of that's called like the Chrome. And that's why Chrome is called Chrome, by the way. It's it's the, the border of the internet, so to speak, the Chrome of the internet. Anyway, and there may be another user interface name for all that stuff. So I apologize if I'm missing the, the best one. Um, but you don't really want that because you can't, and it would be unsafe if that's occluding your vision on your AR smart glasses. And so I think that the content, like, I think that this is still too early, but I think that like, and there's only so much manipulation probably early on, at least you're going to be able to do just with your eyes. So, and I should probably investigate how that works. Um, but my point is, so it remains to be seen if like being able to design pretty interfaces, usable interfaces, that's going to be really important. You know, if this is like the interface, so for instance, here's a, here's something, how many different ways can you have somebody's name float over their head? This is like crude examples to illustrate one. My, I guess what I'm saying is the interface that you're going to want is so simple. Maybe it will be obvious to everyone doing this. So like, you're not going to want at least most of the time, you're not going to want windows floating in your vision. You're not going to want traditional apps. Maybe that's a better word. You're not going to want apps. You're just going to want information. And maybe there's only so many ways to display that. Like maybe there's only so many safe ways to display that. So, um, maybe that'll make, uh, other people's job easier than the time that Apple had trying to make smartphones better. Um, but that's not, that's not, for sure. So maybe Apple does. Maybe Apple comes around and they have the bu- they have the chops still. They're better at everybody else. But you know what? Jobs is not around anymore. And I know Apple 
as great as Job was, and I loved him, um, it, it was not a one-person company. So maybe they'll have the team that can do it just as well as they did when they innovated on smartphones. Maybe they won't. Um, here's some other cool stuff I was thinking about. Oh, and then, of course, you know, the, there is going to be an ecosystem. One of the things, one of, uh, that's another of Apple's traditional advantages uh, is the ecosystem. But here's the thing. Um, does your ecosystem really matter if your AR smart glasses replace your computer? So um, it used to be that I would recommend, um, you know, Mac OS, or I might insist on it for myself. But I use Windows 10 on a work computer sometimes, or not sometimes, I use it on a weekly basis. I put in many hours a week on Windows as well as Mac. The Windows 10 machines are sort of good enough. I'm not saying they're good en- good enough for Photoshop, but most people, you know, or complex tasks, but most people don't do complex tasks on computers. So, you know, um, so, so anyway, so if your smartphone can be your computer, if your smartphone can be your phone, or sorry, your smart glasses, if let's say it could replace both of those things, maybe ecosystem doesn't matter that much anymore. Watch won't be enough to, to keep Apple, Apple's ecosystem advantage because one thing I learned is when I first got an Apple Watch, you don't actually want to be using a watch that long because your arm gets tired. Now, jokes aside, you know, I can lift, I have a hurt shoulder, but I can still lift, you know, at this time, maybe only 20 pounds over my head. But that the Apple watch hurt even when I was healthy because it's the duration and it's sort of an unnatural place. And then you're to use it. You're pushing down with your your fingers of your other hand, you're pushing buttons. So it's like extra weight. So anyway, you don't want to be using a watch. A watch alone isn't going to preserve ecosystem advantage. So anyway, I think that this is the next opportunity for somebody like Google, Samsung, whoever, Intel, whoever it is that wishes that they were in Apple's position I think this is the next chance, and I've been predicting that smart glasses would be the next chance for somebody to take Apple's kind of top profit position or largest tech company position that they sometimes have, et cetera, consumer electronics company, whatever. Um, So that's really cool. And then some final thoughts I wanted to leave you with. Um, I've talked before about like types of apps I thought would be cool. So like one example I thought was like an app that could tell you a good good joke to tell your date when you're on a date or your wife or whoever or tell you a story to tell or remind you of gosh I just thought of what if it reminds you of the latest news story so you're never at a loss about what to talk about and maybe it uses algorithms you know Facebook had an incredible news I I've described it before but Facebook I use Facebook less now that it shows me less articles I still use it a ton, obviously, but it shows me fewer. And back in the day, I mean, was it 2016, summer 2016? I mean, just one awesome article after another. And with Facebook, it was probably like one out of two articles I wanted to read, one out of three at the, at the least, okay? With any other news algorithm service, so with Flipboard, it's maybe like one out of five articles do I want to read. And Apple News, Apple News is good. Like, these are good stats compared to some apps I read. Like Reddit, I'll go on Reddit. Gosh, I don't, I don't, I'm being serious here. I don't know that I've ever seen an article I wanted to read on Reddit, but on Apple news, it's algorithmic. So at least I get, um, and by the way, I've gone through Reddit hundreds of times. I mean, I, I just never see good articles on there. Not ones that I haven't already read because I saw them on Facebook or Twitter, uh, sorry, or flip flipboard 
Apple News will give me, I get like maybe one out of 10 articles do I like. Anyway, so, but here's another app idea for smart news. Uh, sorry, we jumped around, but here's another app idea. Um, let's say that you are approaching a crowd. And again, you know, a lot of what you do in the real world is you're interacting with people. So I think that's why I keep thinking of social apps for these guys, for smart classes. And also it is my, my habits. I tend to try to, you know, I, I try to be social. So, or at least it's something I enjoy. So what about you walk into your favorite bar or coffee shop or whatever, and all of the people who are open to being meeting strangers or open to conversation, they have like a green color to them or a green halo. And all the people who definitely are not open to conversation have a red halo or a yellow one, whatever. And there's a medium with a yellow. That was something I was thinking of. That could totally, um, you know, that could, I was just reading an article today and cover of Psychology Today said that loneliness is a more pervasive problem than we realize. And the interesting thing that they found out is that one of the, the way that loneliness used to be measured was how many social connections does that person have? And the reason being, they assumed reasonably, I suppose, that you know, if somebody has 50 social friends or close friends or whatever, or five or 10, that they are less lonely than the person with two. And what they found is that's not necessarily true. Loneliness exists even among people who um, have a lot of friends or have families or spend a lot of time around people. So loneliness is more than just that. So imagine, you know, going to get coffee becomes um, making a new friend, like a friend you didn't anticipate making. And by the way, you saw that he works on SpaceX and you realize, gosh, I don't want to interrupt that guy, but he's glowing green, which means he's friendly and he works for SpaceX. And I don't know how often I get to do that. Or I have a question about that, or I have a business idea to pitch, just throwing it out there, you know, like, um, these ideas that, uh, came to me right now. Um, or, uh, and of course, significant others, you know, um, most people for the first time or first time in a long time or maybe in history one of the other so 52 percent of u.s adults are signal or like 50 51 we just crossed that threshold i think it's like the first time in 40 or 60 years but it might be the first time in recorded history that that's happened so people are single and if they're anything like a lot of my friends they don't want to be single so as much as some of you may not like this stuff there may be a way that this type of stuff could be done well and so my idea is you know um the app Somehow it senses compatibility between you two. Somehow it shows you're getting really good body language from that person you're talking to, which suggests they might be interested in more than friendship. Maybe the app interfaces with Facebook or it reads their bio on Tinder and it knows, gosh, both of you guys like long walks on the beach and both of you guys like Seinfeld or whatever the hell it is. And it says, or maybe you took a personality test. Maybe it says, hey, according to Myers-Briggs, this person is INTJ, which is your ideal Myers-Briggs type. You should go talk to her. And by the way, why don't you try saying this? Like, gosh, I, I'm going to stop now because I feel like I could talk forever about the cool ideas. And I don't have quite as many ideas for the non-social um, uh, apps. Maybe there could be some cool games, um, some cool entertainment like you look around and everyone looks like uh, Jerry Seinfeld to use that or something. I don't know. Um, 
fun games like that or um, like snap apply snapchat filters in real time to all your friends or something or you know public speaking app now it really looks like everyone's naked so you're not nervous anymore I don't know okay um, maybe it's make your significant other look like Brad Pitt I mean this could there's some really fun cool stuff so I think we're all agreed on that um, this is making me think about some social things that I've been doing recently okay I'll leave you with one tip um, recently I've been kind of changing how I go about making friends and it's really helped me um, I'll probably do a podcast on this but it's it's made my daily life much more interesting um, I've always been pretty social like I'm actually not like an extreme introvert when I test I test like a mild introvert ext- sorry extrovert but so uh, I know what it is so, like most of my days most of the day I'm cool not talking to a lot of people Around the time afternoon to nighttime hits, now now I talk to people. So I compress a lot of social interaction into short space. Anyway, um, what I was thinking is, so the tip is this, uh, be an editor of conversations. Uh, I got this from a YouTube series called School of Life. And it's really about everything. There's some politics, some culture, whatever. It's pretty good. Um, I think sometimes the guy maybe acts like he knows a little too much. But one reason I keep listening is because I really love this tip he gave. He said, "Act, be like an editor of your conversations, like a film editor almost. And what he means is, well, what he says is what people really care about is not the hows and wheres and whys. They care about how people feel about things. They care about how you felt about things and they care about how they felt about it. And that's what's most interesting to people. And the example he gave was like, the conversation was like this. A girl was like, hey, yeah. Guy's like, what have you been up to? And the girl goes, oh, I'm going to my high school reunion. He goes, oh, that must be nice. Uh, When did you, what school did you go to? And she goes, oh, I went to, you know, Manchester. He goes, oh, okay. When'd you graduate or whatever? Uh, Well, that's stupid. Oh yeah. Did you like it? And he asks like that. And these are like what, where, why type questions or what, where, how type questions. They're really, so it was like really boring conversation. Then they repeated and she goes, yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to my high school reunion. And he goes, oh, that'll be fun. Are you excited? And she goes, yeah, or whatever. She says, no. And he's like, Uh, wow what do you think you would say to Jonathan if you ever saw him again or whatever like to people like he started asking like how do you think it'll make you feel to see all those people again are you gonna feel weird just asking questions like that of a more emotional nature and immediately it was a more engaging conversation um and I know that like for me uh well just listen there's some psychology that I've read to support this um number one being that People like they don't trust others until they hear that they are vulnerable, until they admit vulnerability, because people know that if you don't ever admit vulnerability, you're it means you're hiding something and it's associated with untrustworthiness. So, you know, like if that girl had said, oh, I feel nervous. Well, now what's happened, what starts or what can start is bonding because the other person go, oh, you're nervous. Tell me about that. And now they feel like they really know you. So beyond the fact that it's just, it tends, it's more interesting than like, oh, how long you worked there. And granted, sometimes we really want to know that stuff. So it's not that you're not allowed. But anyway, just give you a tip in your conversations. Um, I've been learning a lot about this that I'll probably share with you guys soon. 
um, in a different podcast. Well, anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Hope you appreciated it. And um, I think some really awesome stuff's happening. This is There's a few more awesome developments, in my opinion, that we're going to have to talk about soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye.